Hello, 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 and welcome to episode 7 of the Artproof podcast. This time around, we're joined by artist Anna Redding. We met up with Anna early this year at her studio in Bermondsey and had a chat about her work and career so far. Anna was the winner of the Mark Tanner Sculpture Prize in 2018 and was part of Bloomberg New Contemporaries the same year. Since then, she has been in an indefatigable work mode and has had shows at Standpoint Gallery, The Bomb Factory, The Cello Factory, as well as being part of a show that Nick and I curated at the Silver Building. We talk about the idea of never not working and Anna's struggles to separate life from work and also the influence that her childhood holidays to remote parts of the British coast have had on her sculptures. Anna has also just shown some work at the London Art Fair with Standpoint Gallery where she released her first ever print which is available through the gallery and if I were a bit more solvent I'd definitely be buying one. Remember to listen to the end for contacts etc and I hope you enjoy the show. I made this hat for this competition to be shown at London Fashion, no, the Bur- Fashion Week at NEC Birmingham. And my mum got an old video recorder off one of her friends and brought it to the London Fashion Week and then she recorded the, the hat that was down the catwalk, oh, basically with all the other competition winners of all these like, A-level students for making these hats. And anyway, she put the camera on and then the, cat, the catwalk starts going and then mine appears on the catwalk. When we watched the video back, she'd got so excited when mine appeared that she pressed record again. <laughs> and then mine left the stage, she pressed record again, so there's the whole catwalk show minus mine. <laughs> 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 How did you guys come across Alan's work? For me, Mark Tanner, seeing like that's obviously that's right. Was put, that the standpoint show? Yeah, yeah. So I pushed your name into my kind of realm, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I imagine that's done loads for you. Yeah, yeah. It's. I mean, it was just they do a lot for promoting you, even if you're just even if you're uh, shortlisted for it. So they start promoting all the shortlisted artists mm. initially, and then. Um, the show, I think, really is the is the big part of it. Having having a solo show in London mm. and that space to and the space that it gives you to really make your own work and push your practice in whichever direction you mm. want. I think having spoken to them over the year and still now, they're really interested in people making new work. So the unexpected and people making and it gave you a platform. To, and it gives you a platform target to aim for. Exactly. Yeah, you don't have to remake the same style of work you mm. can ha- they give you the the they have the confidence in you to to go ahead and explore so yeah. that was really amazing about it yeah so how did that come about is that something you just applied for it was yeah. yeah i think i did an undergrad finished in like, back in 2010 and yeah. i think i applied back then and right. was obviously like nowhere near ready for it and then had it on my radar since then really and then when i after i finished the masters at Slade my portfolio was kind of I had a lot of momentum going I had the degree show work and then I had gone straight to a residency in Denmark and then straight from there to Hong Kong for two months Mm. so I had kind of three almost solo shows in a row based off the back of those so I had this kind of like quite strong momentum with the with the work and then I arrived back in London in in October 2017 and didn't have a studio and moved house the two days after I arrived back and was kind of lost and so was just spending that winter applying for stuff and the Mark Tanner award was the probably yeah. the last thing I applied for in that kind of run of applications and it was the one I felt most I kind of felt affinity with it like I could see my work yeah. in that context was it sort of eight years in the making then you kind of had it <laughs> yeah. in your mind I was really working on it for a decade yeah, yeah. <laughs> for a decade <laughs> <laughs> it worked out it worked that's, out that's well. good played the long game what was the time between them awarding you and then the actual show how yeah. much how much time did you have yeah so there's that? a year a year in between oh great yeah oh, so you so you get the award in May and then the show's the following May. Okay. Right. And and um so there's sort of funding for that year for yes, making yeah, work. Right, right. Um, mm. and then they help with the expenses of putting on the show as well. So yeah. And how, how how much did they get involved over that year? Did they drop by yeah, at times? And, they do, yeah. yeah. So um the manager of the award is um Emma Kelly 
and she um, takes a lot of interest in the artist's work and she's That's she's great. there as a kind of supportive force really yeah. so any questions I had I would send mm. to her and she gets straight back and yeah I feel like she really has your back in a way right. questions about can I do this how high is that can I hang this you know she's she's always there to say yes or no but try to find a way mm, right um, yeah but she would drop in I think she came to the studio twice during okay. the year and do a studio visit as well right. so um but it's actually, in some ways, it is so long that you're, you know, did you get nervous? Like, can yeah. a bit of self-doubt start yeah. creeping in? And, you know, it's so far down the line, it's like, oh, actually, yeah. are they still going to like it? Yeah, <laughs> it was, yeah, the that, process or? was interesting mm. in that sense. Because, actually, I didn't really, because the first maybe three or four months, I'm not sure I made that much stuff for it, really. Right. It was a sort of sinking in, processing, what am I going to do yeah. kind of feeling. Yeah. And was I was making things and I was thinking, I'm really going to have to jump in and start doing something soon. Mm. Um, knowing how long it takes to make my work, I know that usually it, it will be six or seven months to kind of yeah. fully right. make a whole body of work, yeah. at least. So were you that, selected on the base of your existing portfolio? That's right, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But then you produce more work for the solo work. show, right? Okay. Yeah, exactly. So I think what I wanted to do was um, reinvent some of my processes during that year. So I had previously been working a lot with uh, wooden frames, cardboard clad, yeah. and then expanding foam, which was carved back. And I was kind of uncomfortable with using the expanded foam for like many reasons. Firstly, it's obvious, it's obvious as a material. Mm. It's toxic, yeah. and it's uh, gen. And I felt like I was kind of generating new toxic material and I wanted right. to find a way that I could incorporate material that almost already existed it was like yeah. more surplus in a sense so it was so what it was so the first few months were kind of a rethinking of, of, of how I was going to make those sculptures and what materials I was going to use and what techniques I was going to use and it really kicked off for me when um, in I think it was June that year I um, went, my parents were going to the Isle of Mull on a holiday and they said I should just come along. Yeah. And so I went, yeah. yeah. And that was where I this started. Where you found the shells. Started to get that, so I found shells. <laughs> yeah, that's something you used to do quite a lot as a kid. You, I read something you go to, you've taken to remote seaside locations yeah. every weekend and stuff like that. And you can sort of see the influence of that in your work. Yeah. That was kind of, so what that year did for me was quite interesting because, so as a, as a child, my parents would go to these, uh, they would go to the Norfolk coast or the yeah. Northum Northumberland coast and always to remote places. So we wouldn't go to the kind of fun seaside towns. Yeah. It was like remote. And then we would just walk pointlessly for an hour yeah. in the cold. And I would, it would be a sunny day and I'd be like, why have we come to the coldest place <laughs> possible and walk for an hour? Yeah. And, and it was, and I, and I thought that that was normal, but it's not, yeah, yeah. not everybody does that. <laughs> Anyhow, it was a, something, something peculiar yeah. to my parents. And, and anyhow, um, I suppose now as an adult, when I revisit those kind of places, mm. I, I see so much stuff, so much things mm. I find inspiring and beautiful, yeah, yeah. kind of wooden stakes yeah. sticking out of the mud or limpets on mm. sticking to barnacles on boats and that kind of yeah. thing, that I always thought while going through art education were really obvious things that everybody liked right. and so why would yeah. I use them because it was obvious so familiar, so familiar yeah. that yeah. I should discount them I should throw them away I should I shouldn't do something so obvious and kind of being forced into a situation where I had to make a whole new body of work mm. I started to just draw from those slightly more what I thought obvious references and then really started to feel like I was making the work I should have been making yeah it then started to be personal which I might not have done when I was studying because there's so many critical voices around someone might have said but why or yeah, what's yeah. that about and I would have struggled to say oh just because it's personal to me in this sense and yeah. so then having the freedom of my own studio and being given that opportunity to to just make without mm. any particular constraints meant that I could explore those things that mm. meant something to me. Did you have an element of crit when they came back to visit you at those two points? Yeah. You, how, did, how was that trying to explain that you're using these kind of mm. like easier materials? Yeah. How, how was that for you trying to justify that? Justify, yeah, strange. I mean, I... I they're, they're expecting one thing and you're perceiving them to expect mm. something along those lines. Mm -hmm. I think that there wasn't necessarily... Uh, there was it was just a more supportive experience yeah. than that. Yeah. I mean I think Emma came with the kind of view to see that 
something was happening and that, that I was using, yeah. I was making work, basically. Mm. And there wasn't necessarily kind of a critical, there wasn't like a expectation there for what's good and what's bad. The award is basically mostly interested in makers and mm. that you're making and and um, so has an amazing kind of very for for a, for a emerging artist has a has a great ethos because it allows that space for questioning and new ideas. Yeah. So they were excited about the new di- direction of things. Yeah, definitely. I mean I I felt I felt that and at that stage the works I think the first time she came was in September so it had only been four or five months mm. and there was a couple there was two three works in on in the studio that were kind of either half finished or halfway finished and um and I was really unsure about them but I remember after the first visit feeling much better you know yeah, yeah like <laughs> something something good was happening and and then what I also did was spend a lot spend two or three trips going back to the gallery space standpoint is a really bizarre space because there's these three or four different rooms that all have their own unique architecture there's a kind of long low room small square room and then a really Mm. tall kind of seven or eight meter skylight and a lift shaft and there's a weird platform in the front room as well so I had to I spent a lot of time actually being in the space and looking at the architecture and that and that helped inspire some of the sculptures as well right is that something you do a lot? Do you do? Because I know you did with mm. the, the show we did. Right. Uh, some of the work was in reaction to uh-huh. the space that it was in. Is that something that's important to your? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's really helpful. Um, I wouldn't call the work kind of site specific because mm. they're usually standalone objects that can be retranslated into other spaces, but they are responsive yeah. to the site that they're initially made for. So, um, so with the show Sugar Mountain that we had um was there were these kind of raised platforms in this in the mm. in the room that yeah. I wanted to be in and ended up showing in yeah. and um it was dark and it had and specifically it had these old kind of cabinets that yeah. had levers they were, sort of clinical like green clinical yeah. green which resonated with the sculpture I already had yeah um in terms of this sort of like marine acidy color yeah. and so it felt right to use that space and then so when making the works I then think about literally dimensions Mm. of the space as well how much I need to fill that space or draw back and leave space and what's possible in terms of lighting as well Um, yeah they kind of work perfectly I mean they acted as plinths yeah seem sort of perfect for displaying your your sculptures yeah they're kind of it was worked out better really. it added to the and it and also the sense the the three sculptures were kind of turning in a sort of slow rhythm and i felt kind of a resonance with that room of it perhaps potentially at one point having motors and mm. boilers mm. and machines def- strange kind of it's an exciting space faceless yeah. machines yeah exactly mm. i like how they they lit each other up as well yeah. so if you if you timed it right yeah. One would be lighting the other two. Yeah. Which is quite nice, especially because it was like almost pitch black. Yeah, in, yeah. In the opening night, anyway. Yeah, it was. It was. <laughs> it was really atmospheric. The room. Yeah. And um, yeah, I like. The, I like the idea that the sculptures have a at least could potentially affect each other a bit or have a relation to each other. Um, mm. I think quite quite often, or for a long time, I've made things alongside each other. So. I'm not necessarily so bothered about ideas being standalone and it yeah. being this like unique piece that means everything, but making a kind of body of work altogether means that things can kind of vibrate alongside each other. Yeah. So when they actually then physically interact or affect each other, I quite like those moments of mm. it's like they're kind of winking at each other. <laughs> <laughs> Myself personally, I'm most familiar with your sculpture, but there, you have a performative element to mm. your to your work. How does that work with the sculptures? Initially, it began as a kind of um, response to as I was making the sculptures, there was all sorts of ideas and um, tangential thoughts going yeah. on, and so I started writing poetry which was a sort of collection of those thoughts mm. in a kind of, in a way of, um, like a spider diagram, bringing yeah. it, but bringing it all back together. So there were these tangential thoughts that brought together my, these ideas that don't, didn't really, nec- right. that were kind of illogical in, in a sense. Yeah. Um, and the, so I had these, 
these, I, I guess you could call them poems, which uh, which I wanted to start kind of reading, spoke using yeah. spoken word as performance. And um, I began by kind of speaking to my sculptures, almost telling them a story. So the one of the kind of first or first important performances I did in that sense was it was called the nightmare of a grounded pilot and I'd made this sculpture of a heart using aeroplane upholstery fabric that you'd use on the seats and and it was the spoken word was kind of in response to that sculpture so I kind of made it into a sonnet to this heart thing and then and then from that made a few kind of similar works that had this spoken word element talking to a sculpture or interacting with an object and almost kind of playing with them as if they were toys or yeah. my teddy bears or something but um and then I kind of and then I kind of got asked to do a performance for assembly point which which I ended yeah. up making these kind of soap on a rope sculptures and showing people how to use them in a kind of self-care sort of sense and it was and all of the the text was about um research I'd done about kind of different levels of the under the ocean and at that point I felt and then I, I can't remember whether I got asked to do another performance or I think by that point I was then kind of engaged in the Mark mm. Tanner, uh, the show for the Mark Tanner Award. And um, I think Emma might have asked me, um, are you going to do a performance on the night? And I had I just had this overwhelming feeling that I didn't want to just churn out performances. I felt yeah. like someone asking me that it, it had become quite common to be asked to do a performance because people like performances for opening nights because it's like an event Mm. and so people will ask you to do performances maybe more easily than they would ask you to make a sculpture or Mm. be part of a show and it just felt to me like I was just forcing them out and then I realized that they were just sculptural works as much as any of the others so if it made sense to do a performance it made sense but if it didn't then I shouldn't push Mm. force one out and I, I don't know why that I felt so strongly about that, but I think maybe at the time I just really wanted to make sculpture for a yeah. bit. And um, and every time someone said, could you do this performance? I'd think, but, you know, do I really want to? It's quite a big thing to yeah. kind of stand yeah, up yeah, and perform. Yeah. So anyhow, I, I left it for ages. I didn't really yeah. want to try and make one. And then kind of by chance, like the, the next performance I made was removed completely removed the spoken word so um i had been asked by a website called forced collaboration who do this they have this great project where you propose the instructions for making an artwork and they send it to another artist and you receive instructions back and then both artworks end up on their website as a kind of online exhibition and I sent off my instructions and then I received some instructions which said which were basically said make a you make a sculpture and use the sculpture as a costume for a performance and it has to cover a certain uh, amount of your body like for 90, 60% or something mm. and you have to be restricted by it it was quite strict yeah. you know anyhow um, <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah and at the time I was making a sort of cardboard sculpture of a, that was based on a limpet so, uh, and it was about body a limpet yeah, yeah. yeah. And it was about body shape, so I thought, well, I'll combine this, and I and I just did a really slow performance underneath it, crawling across um, a space in my a kind of project space in my studio, which I videoed. Right. And um, and that was that, and so that was mid making the the pothole for the Mark Tanner Sculpture Award, and so once that piece, I kind of worked a bit more on that piece, building it up, and mm. I had never intended to use it again for a performance, but when it came round, it just for the opening night it just seemed to make sense that that would yeah. I could reuse that that was a work and that yeah. I could reuse that while kind of finishing off the work for the exhibition I had this kind of strong sense that I was doing a lot of physical labour for long hours all the time mm-hmm. and it it struck me that um, that when the opening came it would be funny to continue working right. at the opening I had a fr- I've got a friend who she lives in Korea. Yeah. Um. She's called Om, and she'd come to visit me at the studio. And when <laughs> I was in the middle of making something in in the woodwork studio, and she walked in, and I was like, just 
it'll be 10 minutes and she was like you are always working yeah, yeah. and she just stood there and laughed at me and it really resonated this idea that I literally was just always desperately been. always working mm. and I thought it would be quite true at the opening of the pothole to still be working so I thought I will do the performance as the yeah. limpet at the opening for half an hour and everybody's come to see my show and have a drink and say well yeah. done and, and I'm still working, still working. Right? <laughs> and yeah. because I thought maybe that was like the truest of how I felt at yeah. the time like just relentlessly working on I mean, this is that something thing. about your personality are you mm. do you feel like you're always working still I mean do you find it hard to separate that yeah, yeah I'm trying really hard yeah <laughs> <laughs> how, to, how does it interfere with life yeah it has for a really long time yeah. and, I, and, and it makes a big kind of impact on relationships and right. um so never not working never not working and right. and and friendships and trying to um how long have you been aware of that would you say uh right. the kind of tendency to because yeah, at work, first I yeah. guess you think you know you post uni you yeah. just need to get Track work done get yeah. out there but then after a few years or yeah. months or weeks I don't know you'd be like yeah. wait a minute am I yeah it's a good I? question it's like so during the the masters um I definitely was always working so yeah. it would be going I wasn't I didn't start super early maybe like start working at 10 but then yeah. be there till yeah. 8 or 10 yeah. every day and then on Saturdays I would work for money and then yeah. some evenings right. during the week I'd work for money and then I'd have Sunday off where I'd like buy some food and wash yeah. my clothes and maybe, <laughs> right. see, maybe see would that make you feel uneasy though that 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 day of sort of inactivity inactivity yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I guess it was like I just set up this routine and that's what I was yeah. doing and I knew I needed that and I would ne- I would prioritize that Sunday was like a day off yeah um, and were you done your most work and <laughs> <laughs> And it was kind of important to give give that time, but um, the the masters I was like almost I felt like I was giving it my all, yeah. and that I wanted to really focus on that. And then left, went to Denmark and did a residency for a month, and that was mm. another kind of solid month of working. And then straight to Hong Kong and another two solid months of making a show out there. And then when I came back in the October, which is a kind of strange period, just before mm. applying for the Mark Tanner so this Award, is 2017, yeah, I had no studio and I had just moved house and I had a kind of strange winter kind of mental health breakdown, right. strange yeah. moment where I had been, I had lost, not lost, but been removed from the community I'd had during the Masters. Right. It was like, you didn't need to relax because all your friends are there all day and you're doing what you love every single day and then you just work the rest of the time and so that almost like my downtime was the time at the masters yeah and then and then immediately after that went to this small town Aarhus in Denmark with another artist who's Justine Melford Colgate she's my closest friend yeah but we were just alone there so removed from all kind of community and then to Hong Kong with Diane Chapelet who's who's a painter it was just me and her so again removed yeah. from these communities and then removed from that back into London it was just a bizarre yeah. field of nothingness right so yeah. did you feel quite isolated I, totally isolated yeah. and it took a few months to, for it to kick in and me to realise that, that that was problematic so about mm. the time when I realised it was problematic was the then I got I, I was awarded yeah. the Mark Turner Sculpture Award yeah. so it was mixed in with a strange right. uh, so time. we were so yeah, were you sort of half happy and half like, oh, yeah. I'm back to the grind again and I could lose myself again if I'm not careful? Mm. It, I was I was really happy but was like, at the same time, was kind of, I guess, struggling with with uh, with that balance. Yeah. 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 Um, and is, is that ongoing still? I mean, it is difficult, It's always right? ongoing. I mean, yeah. the balance is always, for everyone here in the studios yeah. and everyone I know is... is struggles with that balance because you want to keep mm. the momentum going um if you, you there's a feeling that if you kind of stop will it all stop you yeah know? and yeah. the guilt like eric was mentioning just to get, like even just trying to take a holiday yeah can you, can you actually unwind I mean, downtime the yeah, is yeah. something that seems to be less of a priority for certain generations and i think it's got progressively Oh well, now the computer in your pocket. Yeah, I mean, all people, time. people are constantly yeah. feel feel this pressure to constantly be working mm. on something, and I think 
And of course, yeah, social media portrays phenomenon. it that everyone else is working yeah. twice as much. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, yeah. oh God, I don't even feel like I'm working half as much as they do. So how can I possibly have a weekend away? <laughs> yeah. I think there's pe- people are made to feel more oh, guilty about it? having downtime as well. And yeah. I don't think I think um, you know jobs wanting to be there the, the whole time. And I think it's worth it. Worse in other countries, you know, in the US, you don't get much holiday mm. if you work full time and stuff like that. I uh, think downtime is kind of being feels like it's kind of being edged out of a yeah. lot of sort of there's industries. Those, there's these interesting companies in America that, that that say you can take as much holiday as you want, yeah. fully paid, yeah. as long as the project you're working on has just finished. And it right. means that the people don't... People, well, people... I mean, you could kind of say, oh, it's finished, I'm going on holiday, but people never yeah. take any holidays because right. unless that's kind of structured in for you, mm. it's no, you very just hard. Don't get yeah, you I don't think get they get around um, to it. We get twice, at least twice as much holiday as them. I'd always yeah. I always yeah. want yeah. time yeah. for that yeah. holiday. Yeah, yeah. I could not. Yeah, I think it's something like yeah. 21 days. Yeah. I think in America they get 10 days a year or something, which oh is just fucking ridiculous, you know. But um, yeah. Yeah, but Thanksgiving and Christmas are close together, so that's a plus. <laughs> it seems like <laughs> that sort of must sh- be the 10 days. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. yeah, so you've got on top of that balance a bit better. Yeah, I feel like, I mean, it's a constant kind of... It's a constant reassessing of where you're at, basically. Mm. So, I mean, we were talking earlier about whether, you know, how you how you manage that kind of employment, yeah. art, yeah. relaxing balance. Do you Especially have a Especially in somewhere like London. Somewhere like London, yeah. yeah. Unless you're sort of independently wealthy or... Yeah, yeah or exactly. Very, very lucky. It's very, very difficult. But then yeah. also, do you feel you have to live life to have something to inspire you? You know, yeah. if you're just in the studio the whole time, you know... Can no, you yeah. As inspired without actually going and living no, and having those trips to the beach. Or well, absolutely, and I think that the mo- the times when you're most when I'm I find most open to seeing new things is on holiday, strangely, yeah. or away mm. out of out of London. Right. New places are where your eyes are most open, where you just, um, I mean, you mm. could see a million things that are inspiring, but your eyes are so busy with what's in front of you all the time yeah. and what you're used to, you can it, it can kind of deaden a bit. So actually yeah. going away and experiencing other places is where the inspiration comes from. And the inspiration right. for the pothole came from visiting the Isle of Staffa, which is just off the coast of Mull. Yeah. A totally kind of um alien landscape of basalt columns yeah. that that um you have to you have to you know, you have if you saw it every day, then yeah. you might not find it inspiring. But mm. it, you have to mm. see it for the first time for it to mm. kind of change your reset yeah. your mind in visual mind. So, so yeah, absolutely. I think locations and relocating is is where you can kind of see draw uh, new things from. Yeah, yeah mm. exactly. So the the, tri- the the residency in Denmark and Hong Kong, mm. and then you're saying that you felt kind of isolated and away from the community. And then being in London, it all kicked off again. Would you say London was kind of centric? to you making work but then all of the inspiration comes from the majority of it comes mm-hmm. from going to these places and going on holiday how do you perceive it working for you in the future like is London in your mind yeah where you want to be yeah yeah I mean I think well actually weirdly recently I've been taking quite a lot of inspiration from Burgess Park which is just down the road from <laughs> great here park. Yeah. I mean there is just well it's got this absolutely great park amazing yeah, yeah. menagerie of birds yeah like the wildlife's incredible there the it's wildlife really is good. incredible there's cormorants there's yeah. like three different really types is. of geese there's muscovy ducks it's yeah. like it's it's <laughs> absolutely the, uh, the sort of river rats or the sort of rodents that's right like volley things yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's really amazing so so <laughs> yeah there's i guess that there, there, there are those honestly yeah, yeah. <laughs> The the lake in the in at certain times of the day is so atmospheric. It's got ch- kind of choppy. Well, they have huge fish in there as well. They yeah. have people go there and fish, and they yeah. kind of have their tents set up around the edge. And they always stink of skunk. And there's guys there <laughs> fishing, always getting stoned. Like, walked around the corner, a guy had like a carp yeah. or something the size of a child. This big fish. Yeah. It's kind of like wow, did that come out of there? It's like yeah, I got to throw it back now. It's this massive, massive <laughs> fish. Sometimes it's quite shallow in parts and it's, you know you wouldn't expect us to have these huge yeah, beasts in there you know? yeah, yeah. yeah it's amazing yeah and yeah it's got a great community that part there's all this like barbecue area uh, yeah. and yeah it's really it's just mm. it's a cool place but yeah you're right yeah, I mean yeah. I think I find London um, a base for people doing things community mm. other artists other 
curators, other galleries, people who are interested, a kind of place where people are, definitely. Yeah. And that's why it's important. And yeah. then in terms of kind of, sometimes you just need to go and clear your head in yeah. places. But that's, you know, that's as and when, yeah. as and when you can. Is the, has the idea of relocating somewhere else been something you've, you've thought about? I mean, mm. I mean, one of the questions I had is sort of how important is being based in London to yeah. your work? Yeah, yeah, I mean... No, maybe no. I, um, <laughs> like, I just, I just can't quite imagine it yet. But I think maybe yeah. it's possible mm. one day. I mean, there are other, there are other factors at play. You know, like economics and yeah. how do you fit in all the things you want to mm-hmm. fit in in life in this city that's just constantly taking economically and yeah. and, and 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 of your body and and um, your time. Yeah. And in theory, out of London, you could get bigger space, yeah. which for your work, I imagine, would be, be very be useful. Amazing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm kind of a believer in like in perhaps when things feel natural and right, and they yeah. move, changes and moves when they feel natural, then that's yeah. when the effort goes into making them happen. So potentially, having a bigger space at some point will be really important, depending on what that will facilitate me to do or what needs to happen really mm. yeah talking of locations what how Denmark and Hong Kong yeah. how was that and how did those environments influence your work if, yeah if yeah 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 good question um so the show in Denmark was um a kind of one month residency at a place called non-space with another artist called Justine Mother Colgate who I've known for probably about eight years now and we're, we're really close as friends and mm. she um, now lives in LA and make work, makes work out there and you've been uh, to visit yet? Yeah? I have how was yeah, that? really great yeah it's yeah. funny yeah, really, <laughs> really good yeah. yeah what a bizarre place yeah and uh, she invited me to kind of join her in Denmark at that time right. and we decided we were kind of obviously remotely talking we decided to kind of plan or research the exhibition together via Google Docs so we I would put up some research and ideas and she would and we would kind of talk that way and we kind of came up with the concept of um, making a a kind of performative exhibition about our friendship and the different stages of it so kind of meeting and work we we met while working together and then um, a kind of sense of also um, rivalry and jealousy within friendship which is kind of often happens in kind of creative friendships where it always feels like the other person's maybe pulling ahead and so it was an interesting we were really honest with each other it was a kind of so you you addressed this kind of we addressed it yeah yeah. and then we also thought about then a kind of dormant time where we we had been physically taken apart or moved Mm. apart from each other uh, kind of across the world and then a sense of like actually that kind of celebration then coming back together and it was really interesting kind of freeing space to make a we made a kind of half an hour performance together. We, I made sculptural props, so did she, and we brought them together in the space and then used them in a kind of... We'd rehearsed this, like, half... And we made costumes and stuff. Mm. It was good fun, yeah. It ended with... We were sat on a... She'd made this swing that then came down from the sides of the walls and fit together, and yeah. then we both sat on it and sang the Friends theme sheet <laughs> 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 as we swung through the space. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was fun. And then, so, but our Ar- house was a kind of strange place because it's it's mm. it's um, you know it had, it's it's kind of quite monocultural and there's that yeah. sort of higgy culture of yeah, like, the design strange. really strange like everyone has the same look and mm. fashion and design I yeah. mean I'm sure not everyone and but it's it all just this feels kind of like, like uh, comforting kind of mm. almost sort of cutesy cutesy sort of yeah have you, have you come across higgy or higg or mm. I don't know how you say it but it's kind of almost festive and like sort of log fires and wood oh, okay. and oh, yeah. you know, mm. very sort of comforting yeah but as a, as a place it felt strangely conservative and there was an un- we were aware of this undercurrent of racism in, mm. in the area yeah. because I think it was um, people from I think it's like Greenland there's yeah. like a lot of immig- immigration from Greenland and there was there's a kind of inequality within the town and it, anyway it was a st- and, and we felt like outsiders and mm. anyhow it was a strange kind of place to be isolated with just one other person and anyhow we just we just made the performance and um, then pe- some people came to see it and that was it and then we went home and mm. so yeah that was straight that was a strange place to kind of it felt like we could make what we wanted but then 
not to have like much reaction back from it or to know for who who, exactly who was it for yeah and what and what was the point of it in a way how did that contrast with being in hong kong in hong kong yeah so then because that was um, that's that's obviously a much more vibrant city there would have been people there to see the show i imagine yeah well yeah there was um i was based within there's a university out there the academy for visual arts it's in HKBU and um, yeah I mean I had a studio and then there was this gallery space within the university and it was just two months to kind of make work but myself and Deanne who was there at the same time decided we were gonna make a show at the end of it because it felt unnecessary to make a lot of physical work that we would then Mm. just have to ship back Mm. and wouldn't necessarily get shown so we kind of worked towards making a show but it's kind of difficult place to make work because you have to then yeah. find out where you're going to get all your materials from and there's a central district where you can buy anything and things are in streets you know there's like a perspex street a chain street mm. there's even like a goldfish street right. which is yeah. incredible yeah yeah but um yeah finding all this finding all the materials also proved challenging in two months to kind of source all this stuff and then make stuff and then mm. also make a show so it was, we worked really hard mm. and we made a really good friend called Alyssa, who yeah. I think she's now in London at the moment. And so she's from Hong Kong. And um, so she was amazing. She showed us round. Mm. And without her, we wouldn't have seen half the things okay. we saw. But again, an isolating place because people are working mm. hard there. People are working like six yeah. days, 12 hour days. And everybody's busy, busier mm. than in London. But interesting there's lots of rules. Everybody queues to get on their underground. Right. Stuff. I, quite like, I quite like that, though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I enjoyed it. Like, yeah. I, I went there oh, yeah. early on or last year. Mm. And that, for me, like getting on a train and knowing there's no, there's no pushing or shoving. Mm. <laughs> I, I yes. I, although it is really odd. It was, it was comforting. It's like, I had no problem straight on. Just, yeah. <laughs> it was kind of strange because we, we went for a weekend. I was really keen to go to China. Mm. So we went for a weekend to Guangzhou and it's just, it's four hours away on the train. It's just over the border and we got on the underground there. And then when it stops at the station, <laughs> the doors open and everybody gets on before anybody's got off. So you have to physically push off right. and it was amazing. So it's like, like a completely different Yeah, kind of I thought China would be much stricter and more regulated, yeah. but actually on the street, people are much more free for all (laughs) there's no rules and it was like an amazing culture so everyone just gets I mean that's very counterproductive surely this isn't going to work you've got to get that seat there yeah, did the, the architecture or yeah. things influence yeah. the shapes that your work Yeah, took? what I was making, yeah. yeah. So I found that I felt like it should, and that was a kind of pressure that was a bit strange. Right. Because, um, but because you've just arrived in a place, I think it takes a bit of processing time before things start to feed in. But what I did know, what I did find influenced my work a lot was that there was tons and tons of street furniture that was painted these... Um, mm. There was like bright yellow, red, and blue. Okay. Particularly, there's a kind of you know the yellow that you have on um, double yellow lines. Yeah. It's like that yeah. kind of municipal mm-hmm. yellow. So there were yeah. these colours everywhere, and they're really friendly, but they were all denoting rules of where you could and couldn't go. So there'd be kind of like a right. street crossing, but then all the barriers around the edge. But mm. they'd all be painted like sunny yellow <laughs> and stuff. And then there'd be another barrier further on that was like um, this kind of orangey red and. And I think, and I felt really like that street furniture was 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 a kind of lie. Like, it's all friend. It makes everything look friendly and fun, yeah. <laughs> but it's but restricting. Telling you what to it's do. really it's always telling you what to do. Like constantly being told where you can and can't go, yeah. and in a really like arbitrary way. Like it doesn't really matter if you're that side of the barrier or not. There's no, yeah. there's no. It wasn't like, oh, you're on my private land now. Everything's yeah, yeah. kind of public yeah. in Hong Kong. And especially there's these amazing kind of local authority tower blocks and stuff that you can walk all the way through in their hollow tower blocks. So mm. you can stand in the middle and look up and you're like in the negative space of a right. skyscraper. Yeah. So amazing kind yeah. of public architecture, but just this sort of bizarre pointless street furniture. So I, I kind of was very aware of that. So I stole those colours to put into the sculptures and I made kind of um, wooden barriers using these colours and then had kind of hanging of. I used lots of fabric and stuffed, stuffed fabric objects, yeah. um, kind of within those barriers. The, the feedback on the from the work, do you reckon, or do you know, if people that visit the shows 
picked up on those colours, all those colours so everyday to them. Yeah. They just blind to just it. saw it as a colour that you've chosen. But if yeah. you chose red, would they instantly look away? That's not that one. <laughs> <laughs> Are the yellow ones? Yeah, that's a good question. I'm not sure actually if that was. I never even asked anyone. I'm interested to know who yeah. saw that connection. Noticed that, yeah. Mm. Whether that was that was not, the thing is, I had in the show, I had, I had, I basically had personally got quite obsessed with frogs for a while, and right. there was all these frogs that I'd made out of tarpaulin. So I found this tarpaulin in the street in in the markets in Hong Kong. They everything's covered in tarpaulin, and mm. um, there were guys that and women that um, sew the tarpaulin into functional objects, and mm. you can just go and ask for something, and then they sew it in the street and. Wow. So I bought some of this green tarpaulin and I made frogs, kind of stuffed frogs mm. out of it. So everyone was just basically obsessed with like, why frogs? What, and just talking about frogs for the whole time. So the kind of maybe the colours got like lost, but it, it was there in the work. Mm. And, and in a way I kind of felt like that this, this question that you ask, you know, how did, how did Hong Kong inspire your work? I was aware that that question was going to be there. And so I felt like, mm. oh, I need to address it somehow. So I'll use these colours and I'll use this tarpaulin and I'll try to make yeah. specific yeah. work to this area. But in a way, it maybe it was a bit forced yeah. in the end. You know, like you go to this place and then you have to respond to it. Yeah, there was this shadow hanging over you. Sort y- of yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, so I was aware of that, definitely. How, with the current one, after Standpoint Gallery, has gone on to Cumbria so far. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Did you go? Yeah, did, yeah, yeah. Was it, did they, like, an opening again? And they did, did, yeah, yeah. It's a very different space. I mean, space. that's really, because, sorry, we'll come back to Cumbria, but I know yeah. it's also going on to Manchester. That's right, yeah, Berry. So it's amazing yeah. that not only is, yeah. you know, they give you Standpoint Gallery, yeah. but it tours, it tours as well yeah. as the support, as well as the funding. That's right, yeah. It's incredible. It is great, and and the three different spaces that I get to show in are all completely different. So it's like three different shows, and they're open to me adding new works as oh, I go. Okay. So yeah, I, yeah. I get to kind of think about each show slightly differently. Uh, one of the pieces that was in, actually, two of the pieces that were in Sugar yeah. Mountain went right. up to Cumbria as well. Okay. So that was really nice to kind of then keep adding to that body of work. Yeah. Um, and rethinking it, and, um, and were you only adding, or did anything get taken away? Ah, uh, yeah, some things yeah, got yeah. taken away. Some of the smaller oh, no. pieces got yeah, taken yeah. away. Yeah, and it, again, it depends on. I I took them all up there, but when I was there, it depends right, on the space. To the yeah, space, yeah, does it does it fit? Is there any point mm, putting yeah. this in? And the space in Cum- in Cumbria Cross Lane Projects is a much more open plan, big square white box and so when you walk in you can see everything so and I had also made this um, big kind of lino piece for a show yeah. at the bomb factory in Archway I remember this was the the floor yeah thing. yeah yeah, yeah. just before our show that's or, it was basically the day before, the day before. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and um and uh so I took that up as well and was able to use that as a sort of island in the middle of the space that the sculptures kind of inhabited yeah um, and then it's going up to Bury in March, and the space in Bury is again, it's it it's much more like uh, an institutional museum space. It's right. it's got parquet floor, yeah. um, big kind of white arches. Yeah. Um, it's an old library. It's got a spiral staircase in the middle of it, and hu- a huge kind of two rooms, and one of the rooms has windows all along the edge. So, it's a, again a really different space, and I'm thinking at the moment about each piece as being more of a separate kind of world to yeah. inhabit so instead of uh, in Cumbria it was like altogether one environment mm. and I think now for Berry, I want them I want to explore them being individual environments yeah um, it's a kind of different way of thinking about it so each show has allowed me a completely different way of thinking yeah. which is just yeah a new life and they must really appreciate that you do you know, re approach it, yeah, yeah, evolve it, and yeah, yeah, take yeah time to consider the space. <laughs> and is it in that Manchester one from March till May? Did I, I read that so. right? Yeah, yeah, something oh, like that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I'm not totally sure of the dates, but yeah, it's they're big, the long time, big, long yeah. chunks. Yeah, Brilliant. do you know what other things are coming up for you this year? Um, well, what are what is coming up? So, there's a piece from the Mark Tanner Award. And a new print are going to be in London Art Fair at the end of the month. Okay, oh, excellent. Yeah. See you there. Um, yeah, great. Cool. <laughs> um, so that's 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 going to yeah. be fun. 
Um, and then Berry. Is that your first time with London Art? It is, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, yeah. yeah, a great film. Yeah, I've had the lift always breaks. That's what I've been warned, yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, and then I'm going to hopefully kind of take a bit of time to yeah. do some making in the studio. Mm-hmm. I think that the I want to look into kind of um, this sense again, kind of. of the pieces being landscapes and environments in their yeah. own right, thinking maybe a little bit more about lighting and sound within the mm. pieces and whether there's a sense that I can start to create architectural landscape. I don't know, right. yeah. I think I, I think I want to kind of start thinking again mm. in the context of the kind of materials I'm using, perhaps think again about the forms that I'm yeah. producing. I, I want to kind of keep changing it mm. and learn from the things I didn't like about the last things I made yeah. and push it foot forward really yeah I think I, I want a little bit of space for making and re yeah. re-evaluating it yeah I have a, I have a question about printmaking yeah so I didn't know you made prints aside from the one you made f- for Bomb Factory yeah the, the big the massive one mm. right yeah you mentioned just now you've, you've got a print for yeah. London Art Fair yeah Printmaking, printmaking in general yeah. how, how often are you in the studio what do you, what do, you do there yeah I mean the print for London Art Fair is a lithograph based on the drawing that I've done um, and it's been made by Pauper's Press which are linked to Standpoint Gallery yeah right. so so I didn't basically I can't, I'm too messy for printmaking <laughs> okay. like I just, there's just blobs of ink everywhere right. it's just, so you just delegate it's chaos yeah. yeah so I'd rather somebody knew what they were doing did that but um, drawing has a kind of strong element in my work, so yeah. I use I tend to use felt tip pens and um, fine liners, mm. and want to also spend a bit of time kind of developing a series of drawings over the next few months, really, of kind of I guess a cross between like close ups of landscapes and space, okay. yeah. stars, <laughs> the galaxy, or yeah, I don't know, like um, things that are kind of micro and macro at the same time. But you're you're kind of unsure. So, and I had kind of, I have like bursts of drawing. Sometimes I just have to spend time making mm. and that takes up months. Um, but sometimes I will have then a burst of drawing and a certain kind of avenue will get explored. Yeah. And so, so that's the, definitely coming up. So the up. print that you make, you're mm. doing a lot, that's your first, mm. your first print? Uh, probably, yeah. My first print. I did some screen printing when I was at Slade. Yeah, yeah. But I don't know if that ever went anywhere. No. Yeah, it's my first print, yeah. So cool. how, how did it come about, going into... Yeah, well, um, so Standpoint Gallery are, have got... have been... Um, have kind of applied for a booth at the London Art Fair mm. to showcase the Mark Tanner Sculpture Award. So they've got... Um, right. Francis Richardson, who yeah. won the year before me, myself, and then Olivia Bax, who's the current winner. Yeah, we're each showing a sculpture in the booth, and then they invited us to collaborate with them to make a print um, to also be part of the show. Yeah. So there's a kind of range. So they're of very nurturing. They really yeah. Do really, uh... yeah yeah yeah. That's right. They've got their kind of there's a full personal yeah. dedication you to want it. in like 2018 but it seems to yeah. be it know, just carries on kind of two years yeah that's really right good. there's a kind of I feel like there's a personal there's a sense of care there yeah. for the award and and you know partly for that because they're professionals but partly yeah. because it's in dedication to Mark Tanner who's a personal friend of yeah. um, the people involved in running the award and yeah. and and so his his award and his legacy is important to them and his his um practice was very much sculpture and it was very much making mm. and he was a wonderful maker and so they're they're engaged in that side of of the art world that they're, they're interested in makers and what you can yeah. do as a maker yeah and for anyone listening who might not be able to make it to the fair mm. how could they get their hands on the print is it through standpoint or mark tanner yeah it would be through standpoint, standpoint. gallery mm. yeah Sorry. yeah so you would contact um you would contact the gallery, Stamford Gallery. Yeah. Um, Emma Kelly is the manager there, yeah, so right. contact her, and um, yeah, they'll be managing that. Yeah. Right. Um, I like to ask. Yeah, and we're here. Yeah. And it's I've interesting. I've got another one after that. Sure, yeah. sure. <laughs> because with previous, all our artists have kind of done, done a lot of two D work, 
and mm. you're really the first one, majority mm. 3D. We yeah. also um, did Mike, who does 3D work yeah. as well. Yeah. But what my question is, and so it's a new twist with you really, is do you have your own work in your home on, on display? Oh, yeah. Good and, question. Because how could you do it really, unless you have a really big <laughs> warehouse apartment or yeah, something? Yeah, no, it would be horrendous. <laughs> <laughs> Just walk into your living room and there it is, slowly turning around to nothing. Well, um, or some drawings, perhaps, or I actually, I have um, no. It's a good question. I have um, I had some pieces in the house I lived in previously that still lived in by my friends, and they still have the yeah, work. Yeah. So there's a kind of cast panel with um, it's kind of plastered with fragments of gla coloured glass wax in it. Yeah. That's oh. in their toilet, downstairs <laughs> toilet, yeah. and then they also have these strange kind of sushi roll things I made years ago on their windowsill so okay. they have some of my work right. in the house so this is somewhere you, you lived previously I used to yeah. live there yeah and I gave was this work on display while you were living there yes, it was yeah, yeah. yeah the toilet <laughs> the toilet panel was was right. fully there um, and then the sushi roll things were in um, my friend Esther's bedroom and she yeah. I gave them to her they were present right. and then when I moved out I also gave her the panel for the toilet so so yeah they're there in my I, I have a kind of rule that, that I don't put my own work yeah. in my house I have some friends work right um, and why is that because yeah why, why is that why wrong? is that what yeah what's the idea behind uh, is, is is it just a kind of um, is it too narcissistic is or is it painful too, to look at it because you constantly want to tweak it or too narcissistic <laughs> yeah I think I'm trying to avoid that yeah <laughs> yeah exactly it's annoying enough it being mm. all over my Instagram yeah exactly I think there's that's the rule yeah, yeah narcissistic. although what does that say about all the past yeah, yeah I think everyone knows that. <laughs> <laughs> that's well, that's so whether it's a sort of storage person um, another question that I wanted to sort of incorporate which is, is uh, suggested by my wife Emma yeah. And she stole it from the Richard Herring podcast. Great. And if you could take any piece of art from any gallery or museum mm. to have in your home, what would you be? You had to have it on and display. It's got to be your in home. your home, yeah. yeah. Oh, God. So you've got to live with it every you've got day. you got to live with it, yeah. Because yeah. the stuff I like is really gross. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and does it have to fit scale wise? Scale wise, it's got to be in your well, home hard, now, yeah. <laughs> Um, I would probably just off the top of my head I'd, uh, it, I would probably have like a Paul Clay right but which one there's a one with a fish okay that's really nice like I like his basically I like his lines yeah you, I like how you can see that he's he's drawn the lines there's a kind of dirty monoprinty texture yeah. to his lines I think it's like a fish and then there's a fishing rod coming down mm. and um, yeah I like it's very subtle but there's like layers and decision's been made there right. okay so I'd have that okay <laughs> <I'll get up. laughs> so thanks for listening all the way to the end we'll be back again soon with more episodes if you want to get in contact with us you can email us at artproofpodcast at gmail.com you can follow us on Instagram at artproofpodcast big thank you to Al Dobson Jr for the music once again and we'll see you soon thanks <laughs>